Welcome along to Season 3, Episode 15 of LOI Weekly. We are coming to the halfway point of the season. We're actually at the halfway point of the season. 18 games gone. And it's a very, very fascinating title race with Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers level on 40 points. We are on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and we're at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. Dan will be um, dialing in shortly. He's over in Portugal, and uh, we'll talk to him on... Uh, in due course rather and um, we're going to have Julian Canny on as well Julian um, is a veteran shall we say of the gambling industry uh, ex-Paddy Power uh, just to talk about some really really worrying developments in the first division of late but before all of that uh, we've uh, some reason to cheer we have uh, Bray Wanderers manager Gary Cronin in and Shamrock Rovers what would we call you? Playmaker midfielder number number 29 number anything <laughs> Jack Byrne what's the crack? yeah all good thanks Jack what's your position? That's all I want to know. Just get me out there. Yeah. Get me out there and get me the ball and I'm happy enough. Now we've been playing left and right and, and in the 10, but you know, I'm happy I'm happy enough once I'm on the pitch, but we'd probably rather play in the 10, to be honest, if, if, if we could pick one position, probably in the 10. Gary, what's his position? <laughs> Somewhere along, along the seaside, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, you know. uh, and Bray, is it? And Bray, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the green and white suits, I think. Yeah. Sea breeze, I need uh, a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Jack play a few times and uh, I think he's an excellent player, obviously, but... Uh, I don't know if I was playing, I'd be playing him in the ten, you know, to link play. But you know, but um, obviously, obviously Stephen knows when when he when he's putting out a team where where what's be- best for Jack, you know. But it's always good to have a player that can play anywhere on the pitch. That's that's always a bonus for a manager. So that's a big plus for Stephen Bradley. If you were playing Rovers, how do you manage Jack because of the positions he's picking up? Well, look, we we played Rovers in the League Cup. Jack wasn't playing that day, and mm. to, to be fair, they had very similar players. When I say similar, like you know, they had Aaron McIniff and Dylan Watson, and uh, young Brandon Cavanagh, who I think is an excellent player, was was playing, and we found it difficult with our movement. And um, I I think it's a it's not a single player thing. Like you know, if you have a a unit of midfielders that are on the same wavelength, it's nearly it's nearly impossible to to pick up. But if you're singling out one player. I think the days of man marking are gone because you really just take 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 that player of, of ours out of, out of the game. But um, just watch him for the last three or four games and see every movement that he makes and what type of passes that he's trying to pick out. You know, and uh, um, it's it's it wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't be easy. How have you found that Rovers midfield, Jack? Because uh, it was probably a system that Bradley brought in last year where they'd kind of four Rovers into midfielders, which I don't think I'd seen before anyway. But yeah. it must be fun to play in. Yeah, it is. Um, I think. We played Bray in pre-season and um, you know, we tried a box out in the middle um, and we played four centre midfielders and we played wingers as well, uh, full, well wide full-backs mm. getting up and um, it didn't really work and f- for most of pre-season it didn't really work so it looked like someone was going to have to miss out or else somebody was going to have to play our position and um, you know obviously I was told we played Waterford First Sorry, game of the season? Yeah, before that, actually, yeah. we played Brentford and uh, I played on the right. And um, we done all right. And we played well as a team. And it was the first time we kind of clicked and it looked like we had a bit of a, a bit of a shape to us and a bit of um, a bit of a system that worked for for the group of players that we had. So, um, you know, then we went down to Waterford, played on the right, done all right. Um, you know, it was a tough game down there. Um, we got the win and... You know what it's like. You win football matches, the team kind of stays and picks itself, yeah. and and um, you know played on the right, and and the manager wants us to to move around. So it's not as if you know you're on the right and you're getting the ball and you're you know pretending to be David Beckham and whipping the ball in. And, you know um, 
it's not like that. It's 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 playing on the right, but giving a freedom to go and hunt the ball and and whatever you see that um you know you can get on the ball to go there. So it's it's nice that it gives you that freedom that you're not stuck out there and you have to get going to stay in that area. And, yeah. You know if the if the left backs coming in, it's not like. You know, you've got to stay there and, and, and that's your responsibility to fill this area of the pitch. He kind of gives us the freedom, along with all the other players, to, to go and hunt the ball, which is which is good. Like. But you pick up the ball very deep a lot of the time. Yeah, I do. Um, because I know that, you know, Aaron McInef has great legs, Dylan Watts has great legs and Greg Bulger has great legs. And I know that, you know, Aaron Green's going to run that channel if, if we come in deep and you know, the left back comes with me or the right back sometimes if I'm on the other side. Mm. Um, we know Arden Green's going to make that run and, you know, uh, we've got r- really good players. We know Joey O'Brien's going to, you know, be in that area of the pitch. He's a very experienced player. You can see if I'm drifting that, you know, he might have to pick up a different position as well. So it's just about understanding and uh, and obviously the manager, you know, he wants his, his, his playmakers on the ball. So if if he feels as if, you know, I drop in and get on the ball, and uh, that's going to help the team. Then he's happy enough. He's happy that. enough with that, yeah. You can see a lot of Stephen Bradley in that Rovers team as well, can't you? I was just thinking that. You yeah. know, when Jack said that, that's the type of player Stephen Bradley was, and I played against Stephen many times, and he was that type of player. But in in, in most of his teams, he was either one of maybe himself or two playmakers on the park. Um, and his Rovers side at the moment, you can tell, you can see Stephen Bradley all over that team, mm. like you know, and. He has four or five that can play and, yeah. and link, which is great. And, and just listening to Jack there, because the game has sort of changed over the last probably more than five years in, in relation to um, central players being able to play wide because they get that freedom to come inside. And that's due to full-backs being able to attack. Yeah. You know? and, and depending on what side you're going down on, if you have full-backs that are not just defenders and able to pass and play and link and have the game intelligence to link with the playmakers, then you can afford to have centre midfielders wide coming in and, and causing problems for yeah. opposition, you well, know? As he's saying, it's not as if, you know, you're just thrown out there on a Friday night and told, like, yeah, this is... Yeah, you're judged on your crosses. Yeah, or, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah. it's we're working on this during the week and, you know, it's 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 not by chance that, you know, these patterns of play seem to come yeah. up in games, you know what I mean? So you have to trust what you've been doing during the week and, and um, you know, when you go out there on a, on, on a Friday... Um, you practice this stuff during the week, so you know you can play people in other positions because they've seen it all week. They can uh, they can take it up on a Friday night. Because it's funny sometimes looking at Rovers, I'm like, this all seems to almost be happening off the cuff because you've so many yeah. central midfielders. And um, but obviously there is a bit of planning going on there. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, but at the same time you can't take that bit of, bit of imagination yeah. away from players as well. You just you just maybe putting them into areas of the p- pitch they're familiar with. You know, yeah. when they're saying kind of things and they're linking up with people and. Um, you know, we, we, we practice a lot during the week, patterns of play, because, as you know, the fixture list, it, it, it doesn't allow you to probably, you know, train as much as you want, like, you know, so um, when you do get time on the pitch, it's it's important that you do, you know, patterns of play and, mm. and stuff like that, you know, where you can walk through stuff and just be in areas and talk to each other and know that the ball lands here or if you get on the ball there, you can play it around the corner blind, I know you're going to be there, kind of thing, so... Uh, you know, it's important that you, you do that kind of stuff when you have the chance. What Rovers players have impressed you like, lads, that you wouldn't have kind of maybe known or played with? Um, I had to be impressed by Greg Bulger. I think, you know, uh, he was unfortunate to miss out at the start of the season, you know, even like when we were having little chats, uh, you know, in and, around, in and around the building, we'd always seem to say, you know, Greg has to play here, you know, mm. he, he, he's, uh, 
a really important player for us the way he sits in there and even his voice he's a good like, professional, isn't yeah he? he is a great professional like, you know so uh, even his voice and even to me you know what I mean like uh, coming back here you know um, not knowing what they expect he's pulled me to one side and stuff and some of the games you know even going up the fin like Bally Buffet there on uh, on Friday he pulled me and he said look Jack this isn't going to be easy like you know and and uh, you know when you, when you have people like that um, in around our team I think it's uh, it's it's only it's only beneficial for the team and you know, I think he's been brilliant since he's uh, since since he's come in, and I think he's been a a, a big part of uh, our success this year. And they need a whole midfielder as well. They need one. Yeah, and as in there's so many ball players. Oh yeah, well, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, if, you, if you're committing that many bodies forward, which I know Stephen likes to do, you have to have somebody to control the game. And um, from my own point of view, that'd be like a player like I have, Paul Keegan. You know, and. I know Stephen was actually... You have the ball away a lot now the other night, I thought. I, I yeah. You don't know what game you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, obviously, that you know, that can happen. And sometimes that comes... And this is no disrespect to my side. We're obviously a force of his inside and, and, and we're building and, and so on. And um, we have a different level of player towards like Jack and uh, Aaron McIniff and, and Dylan Watson. You know, when Stephen mentioned me earlier on the start of the season that he was interested in Paul, I said, another midfielder, you know? <laughs> but um, he would have obviously sit in nicely in, in, in Rovers because the quality of player that's around him and um, and that's what Paul needs but he's been fantastic for, for, for me and obviously for, for some Arthur. cool to get him yeah absolutely but it's that sitting midfielder who's able to control the game has the experience and so on and, and that's what I was saying about Greg when Jackson mentioned there he's a great professional um, and I know he's trying to learn I know he's doing his, his coaching as well yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. trying to learn more about the game and to have a fella in there like that it was with that game it tells, and the experience that he's had um, it's really good for the likes of Jack and, and, and the lads who want to get on that you have somebody with a bit of reassurance behind you I think it's crucial and obviously Joey O'Brien with the experience he has yeah. behind that again and yeah Joey O'Brien must be a big addition there just to be yeah. talking to and so forth yeah he is and uh, you know he, he looks fit like you know I was talking to a couple of lads last year and probably said he wasn't as fit as he he probably didn't play as many games the year before and I know what it's like I've been there it's uh it's really difficult, like, you know, when you're chasing fitness and you're chasing games and, you know, um, since, you know, he's come into the team this season, he's been brilliant for us. His voice at the back is, uh, is, is, is very important for us, especially, you know, because we have, uh, we have some young lads, you know, the Dundalk game with James Forlong playing left full. Some baptism of fire for him. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I thought he'd done well, though, yeah. you know. He, he's, a, he's a really good player. He's like uh, a manager, Sean Cavanagh, isn't he? The way he plays, so... Uh, one thing about Sean Kevin actually, like Rovers wobbling form, whether it's coincidence yeah. or not, has coincided with him not being playing. And to my to my mind, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. No, he is. He's one of the best players in the league. Mm. He definitely is. When I played, obviously I played in the twenty ones with Sean, mm. and um, he was uh, he was on some form at Fulham. I think he played started seventeen games in a row or something in the championship. And um, if it wasn't for the change of manager, you know, he was to say that he wouldn't have wouldn't have played another seventeen or, or whatever it was. So. Um, I think he scored the winner on uh, Stevens's day against Norwich. I remember watching the game on 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 uh, on Gillespie Soccer Saturday or whatever yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. and uh, you know I was buzzing for him. But it just it just goes to show he's probably better off playing with better players. You know, I think he went to uh, Mansfield after that in League Two, and and it didn't quite work out for him. Um, I know what it's like when you go drop down the lazy. What's your experience of that? Because the, the amount of lads who say like yeah. it's just not that's not the, not well, suited to the way. Sean Cameron is a a, a football and left back, for instance, and you know he might be cut out for a goal on a Saturday 
in a in a game against I don't know one of the bottom of the league teams in League Two, ball at the back stick, big man at the back post, heads it in. And managers probably won't take a risk on that, you know. Mm. They probably want someone who's gonna shell it and get it in behind and get up on the game and, you know, uh far away from your goal as possible because, you know, we're not gonna concede when when that's the case, you know. And he'll know himself. There's a there's a there's a lot of managers out there that have made made good good livings on that and, you know, fair play to them but yeah, the I game think, the game varies between physical yeah, and technical big time. Yeah. And obviously the, lower, yeah. the lower you go down, the more physical and, and you're right. I, I sort of with uh, experience that myself. It's when you come to a stage where you like to play, you like to pass and you're in that environment but you're not getting games, obviously the natural thing is to get games lower league and, yeah. and sometimes it's not it, the case. Yeah, it's not yeah. the case. And actually I, when I came back to the league initially you know, I was surprised how physical the league was when I came back. Obviously not now uh, uh, you know, that I'm in the league years mm. but um, I was I nearly I nearly quit football over it, you know. What age you when you came back? Uh, I was nineteen, nearly twenty. No, I was no, I was twenty. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's only about five years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> and you 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 were actually <laughs> thinking of looking fresh now. Yeah, what do you mean? Didn't come off 90, the bench the other night. Ninety eight, ninety nine, came back. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. yeah. Um, and you were obviously very disenfranchised with the whole thing. Yeah, but I came back to a, an excellent Pat side at the time where. Who was uh, the manager? Liam Buckley. Mm. Pat Dolan was involved and uh, Eddie Gormley, Martin Russell, Thomas Morgan, Paul Ozam. Um, and they won the league that year. And we had a reserve side with the likes of Robbie Devereaux. Um, uh, Tommy Morgan played in a lot. Uh, Billy Boy was in it sometimes. And um, Subi Campbell. And, um, Ex-Goal Eddie United Morgan. legend. Yeah, yeah, and some absolutely fantastic. Martin Riley and Leon Braithwaite, if you remember him. Yeah. Um, up front it was a reserve side that was able to compete in the Premier Division of, of the football it was a time where you had reserve leagues and overage could play and so on but um, did you I, find it a shock Yeah, no I, I, I loved that time but I was never breaking through the 14 to so mm. many players and then when I dropped down um, to um, to try and get games it was so physical yeah. the point Jack was making that I struggled I struggled for a good two years um, to really uh, impact on it I was playing lower leagues in the fourth division um, and Harry McHugh was, was great to me he kept us going and, and I made a good career in the League of Ireland out of it. but that period of time was like I'm not, I'm not able for this football like, you mm. know, this type of football and, and mentioned Sean Cavanagh I was a lefty as well we played Rovers last year and I, when I had taken over Bray and I was telling the right winger don't let him cut inside you know um, he, he's so good at linking the play and he was mm. finding balls yeah, with his left yeah. foot he's down the line yeah. and then I'm saying don't let him play the ball down. you know he was really, really yeah, technically really good, good and, I, and I can see how down the leagues, he would struggle. Yeah, yeah. Jack. Um, what was it like when you were at Oldham? With you know, you were there with McElhenney and you were. It was a yeah. bit of a sinking ship in many ways. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I we have we've all day, Jack. Yeah, all day. <laughs> yeah. I probably look. I, I I shouldn't have went back there. I should have. Why'd you go back? Location. Um, you know. I, I, People Were you still probably, living in Manchester? Yeah, or? so I yeah. just bought a house in Manchester. I was going for Wigan the summer, um, oh, sorry, the, the January before. Um, and I just bought a house in Manchester and I was thinking, you know, I had three and a half years at Wigan and I was thinking that was going to be me, me home for three and a half years. I had been me home before I went to Holland um, when I was in Manchester, obviously at Man City and Blackburn. Um, so I was thinking, you know, this, this is a good opportunity. I wasn't, Dropping money, I was I was going to the you know same same kind of uh, wage packets and stuff like that. So I was thinking, and we were doing well, you know. We had, we had our own oil, and new own oil was going to be coming back. 
Craig Davis playing up front. He was coming back fit. Um, Cameron Dummigan now at, at, at Dundalk. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe let. Uh, I don't know. I just. I, sh- I shouldn't have went back. I sh- Did I sh- you have any preconceptions or worries before you went over there? You're like, Ugh. yeah, but parking um, at the back the, of your head. Yeah, look, this this fella like um, taking over at the time. Bit of a character. Yeah, he was a bit. He was a bit of a character. You can say that. Um, <laughs> Patrick would probably say the same thing. You know, lads weren't getting paid on time and and stuff um, like that. But obviously, I was on loan at the time and I wasn't really getting the full end of it because I was still at was still at Wigan. Um, I was hearing little whispers in the dressing room. Oh, look, we haven't been paid this month or whatever. But it didn't affect me because they weren't paying my wages. Wigan was still paying me wages. And then um, went there in the January, and you know, uh, yeah, you don't get paid for two or three weeks, and you know you're in a you're in a relegation battle, and managers are looking to subs to come on, and subs are saying, "Hang on a minute, he's only paid the the starting eleven this week. What's going on?" Like, you know, so. Uh, you know, some it's mad stuff going like, this, this is a club I remember playing, yeah. like playing like proper top level yeah. when I was a kid in England. Yeah, no, and it come to that. Yeah, and I wasn't like that. Like you know, when I first went there, and I probably let the first six months, you know, wasn't cutting the grass and the in the training ground. We couldn't train and stuff like that. You, people don't see that kind of stuff, and and uh, it's quite sad though for all the fans yeah, and the people who've been involved like, for you years. Know, we'd still be getting you know six, seven thousand at most games and. You know, we'd be playing Blackburn at home, beating them one 0 and stuff like that, and good results. And you thought the club was going to kick on, and you know, new owner coming in saying, you know, going to invest in this and that, and you know, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Unfortunately, he invested, but he didn't pay when you know when he had when he had to pay the players. What, what was Patrick Patrick McLean must have felt a bit lost at that. Like, cause he's yeah, seen, all the Derry lads seem to be homebirds anyway. Yeah, and there was a big step for Patrick as well mm. because I, I know. Um, I know he had trouble over there when he was obviously away before, you know, and it was a big step for him. He's a he's a young child and and uh, and a missus, and you know, get to change skills for the for the kid and and stuff going over, and you know, the missus to get settled in, and it's not nice when you know his missus probably turning around on a, I don't know, the first of the month and saying, "Hang on, I'm in a Patrick, I'm about to leave me, you know, me me family here and and, and me hometown, and you know, we haven't got paid this month. What's going on, you know?" So. Uh, Andy wasn't playing at the time, and you know the man. Then, then the owners coming in, we lose two or three games. The owners coming into the dressing room saying, "You know, I don't care if you're not fit. You, you have to get out there, kind of thing, the you owner. know, and putting them under pressure." And that that must be very inspiring yeah. when the owner comes in and tells you what to do. Yeah, look, things were happening at half time in games where the owners coming down and what? and uh, yeah, like it was. Uh, well, you, you won't, yeah, you won't you, believe what yeah, stuff that goes on. Yeah, if you believe some of the stuff, yeah. like. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I felt sorry for Patrick because I think uh, I think I think he got a raw deal over there mm. and probably put him off. You know, and it was a good chance for him. You know, because how uh, did you find him as a player? Yeah, he's a very good player. He's he's, he's very good technically, very good, and he's a great bloke as well. You know, and he works hard. He worked worked his socks off, like you know, but he just didn't get a run of games. And and uh, look, you know what it's like when you're not playing games and the level over there. You know, in League One, is, it isn't easy. You're going away and you're playing against Wimbledon away. It's a scrap. And then you might be playing Wigan, who are going for the league. And then you're going again and you're playing Walsall, who are scrapping for And then And then you're scrapping yourself. And, you know, the the pitch wasn't great. Our pitch went, pitch to, looked, went to shreds. Pitch looks like, in, you know? in bits, actually, yeah. Yeah, it went to shreds after the, 
after after Christmas now, well, saying that probably at the end of November, December, the pitch was gone, like, you know, and, and we were down quite well up until that stage, like, and... Uh, Just on that note, actually, how have you found the difference in summer football? Yeah, good, like... Uh, and we haven't even entered the summer yet, like, yeah, properly here. No, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's been good, and... Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the boys were saying when we went up the Valley Buffet there on uh, on Monday that it was a it was a huge difference to when they went up. I think I think it was uh, a yeah, March or something. Yeah, yeah, but they were saying the ball didn't bounce once mm. the whole night. Like, yeah. you know, didn't know where it was gonna go. And uh, sometimes they forget the late victory then. Yeah, 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 yeah great yeah. goal. Yeah, buzzing with that now. So mm. uh, look, uh, the summer so- the summer soccer the change from it has been. Again, You're old enough to remember. Yeah, yeah you know, as a boy, sadly enough. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, were you a fan of it at the time? You thinking this 100%, is a good idea? Yeah. yeah, for me because look, it was going. We we're going on about the physical side of the game. Really suited the type of player that was rough and tumble. Um, you know, big strong legs, able to take the the mud during the, the Christmas. We yeah. had we had matches on Stevens's days. You remember and and throughout that week. Yeah. Uh, you know, those a lot of players wouldn't have been able for those pitches. Plus, there was injuries uh, and so on. But the changeover happened in two thousand and three season I think it was I remember we were in the playoffs it's that it. long ago now that's mad like yeah, 15, 16 years it ago. was a sort of a um, there was a transition where the season ended in January to start again in March and then the following season it was in properly like, yeah. you know and uh, the difference the pitches was the number one thing for the players yeah. you know uh, it was and if the pitches are looked after properly um, when Paul Dillon came in I dropped at the time our pitch was like a carpet up there in 2004-2005 and it was just you just thought this is what football is all about. Yeah. This is what we want to play yeah. on. And then You're pitched in some Nick and Bray at the moment. Well, we had the Euros. We had yeah. the Euros under seventeens, yeah. and it was in good shape beforehand. It's even better now because a lot of work on it for the Euros, and we had obviously some amount of talent played on it, and we want to make it look good and and so on. But that was the first time we played in it since mm. the Euros, and yeah, it was in excellent condition. And um, again. You know, during the winter, obviously, we know what the pitches can be like. It's difficult, so. But especially being from Galway, like the west of Ireland, the rain that they get, and the likes of Galway mm. and Sligo. And I remember, like, and Julian remember this well when Galway United played at Lone in a cup replay, where like um, Neil Ogden went through on goal, one on one, and the ball just literally stuck. It mm. just stuck in a position, and he, he went after the ball, and it just stopped. And that wasn't that irregular in those days. The pitches were terrible, and yeah. like. I brought my missus to the Bray going out again the other night first game she's ever been at the League of Ireland it was like geez, you should see this place when it's winter football like yeah. it was the coldest place like in yeah. the world it's really sort of so, yeah. oh man and like yeah. the pitches like the, to see the nick that Carlisle grounds in the other night mm-hmm. um, even Belfield the other day like yeah. it gives you a chance to play Jack no, it does yeah definitely um, the fa- fa- just, favours the technical player yeah, yeah. and that's what but people, thankfully yeah, you know, th- yeah, yeah people want to see like you know th- of course you want to see our game the other day last time is a bit of passion, a bit of fight, you well, know. Not, not, not really. Well, from from our point of view, it was great. And <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, you want to see that side of the game because it's not all rose and pretty yeah. and stuff like that. But mm, you want to have a product on the pitch that people want to come and see, you know. And uh, I think you know, obviously, the better the pitch, the better it is for yeah. the technical players. How do you reflect on your own playing career? Um, I was listen. I was lucky to play for so long in 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 the League of Ireland, which is a fantastic league, obviously, and. Um, and I was also lucky to win the division I'm in as a player and as a coach, like, you know. And um, I came in, it really took off in 2004, the league did, you know, with Shells and, yeah. and, and Bowles and, and so on. And then dropped it, went full time after we left. There was proper money in the game. Proper money in the yeah. game. And yeah. um, they were all chasing the European dream. And that's what it was. And obviously, Shells came close with, uh, you know, the Deportivo game. Yeah. And, 
and draw they were a bit of a post away in Kiev and so on. But that's what they were all at. That uh, that at Kiev game was yeah. like when you think was it the, the Aussie lad who missed like um nearly an open goal to was it, was it Hughes, was it? Yeah, yeah. Adam Hughes, I think. Adam, yeah, I think it was and Hughes, yeah. In in fairness to Paul Doolan, like that could that would have been some achievement and they I were mean, so close from the position yeah, they were that in. That goes in, they were in the Champions League. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Like, I mean, wow, well, <laughs> yeah. just a cool, and there wasn't the only chance one hit the post and went across the other yeah, side yeah. came out. That's right, yeah. And uh, I really you really felt at the time, Jesus Christ, it's not gonna happen now for the League of Ireland team because that was the closest they got. Um, but uh, you know I was with Drawday when uh, you know for six years and Paul came in and took over from Harry it was 2004-2005 I was there and then they went um, sorry 2004 I was there they went proper full time in 2005 and that's what that's what they were going after it was very competitive but the year in 2004 when we um, it was the highest I finished in the Premier Division we finished fourth and we were up on top for a good chunk we were never we didn't have the squad to compete with Bowles and Shells and so on and Cork at the time Dame Richardson was in charge Um but that was the change for me in the whole the way the game was being played and all mm-hmm. that the coaches were coming in and changing things. And um, how influential was Paul Doolan in that regard? Uh, well, look, come here, listen. People have their views and on, on on Paul. He was fantastic for me. Uh, he really changed the way I thought about the game. You know, and um, how so? I never, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I played. I played in the left hand side. You know, I'd be sort of a technical player. I wasn't a physical player. Like the pass and link and so on, and um, and like to get forward and. And there's positions in the park where I never knew where to be or how to read the game um, or how to anticipate parts of the game until Paul came. And, and it was hard. It was really, really hard for the first 10, 12 weeks um, being coached under under Paul. It was difficult because he was such... Demanding. So demanding. Um, and his standards were so high. And the one thing I couldn't get at the time as a player, I think it was about 24 at the time, was that I couldn't see the game the way he saw it because obviously he had massive experience in league titles under his belt and, uh, and the way he saw it... Um, and at that particular time, he was struggling. I felt he was struggling that he couldn't understand why young players couldn't see the way the game he saw. Yeah. And now I totally understand what he's going on about. Because being a manager now, looking onto the park, he's going, how did he not see those things? How can they not anticipate that? How can they not see where that pass is going and so on? How would he advantage Jack Byrne? I don't not know. Well. I don't know. Like you, not you well. Here, you tried to manage me before. You know. Bingo were you with uh, yeah, the Ireland... Ireland uh, Paul. How did that go? Didn't go. <laughs> Actually, yeah. we have Paul on the line here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he's different anyway. Yeah, uh, look, we don't know. It was only with him for a week or whatever, but, you know... <laughs> don't, don't let the force you the same stuff you don't want to say. It didn't go too well, to put it that way. But, but uh, like, in fairness, he's he's uh, he's a high-achieving manager, but I guess, like, some, some lads don't seem to really yeah. uh, maybe embrace it as much or no, struggle with it. Yeah, I think... I think he left out... Um, Couple of us, I think a couple of us went on the fourth trip, and then I think he left out me, Jack Grealish, and a couple of other lads. And I think he kind of said, "No, you was that kind of Jack Grealish." You know, what I mean, just a formula your own kind of group here, and kind of going against some of the stuff he he, he was saying at the time. And right. Not not that kind well, yeah. going against cheeks like, or whatever. Yeah, like, but, but yeah, man, yeah. Managers go with their instincts, you yeah. know. And yeah. If he if he feel, if he feel, like that's 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 Paul's obviously. If they feel that's going to happen, you know, they always. The way the manager thinks now, and I'm, I'm only new to this now myself, but they think, look, if I feel this is what's happening, or if I yeah. feel this for the good of the group, you know, they'll think, right, my decision is, this is my job, you know, yeah. and if I feel this is the right decision for me, this is what I'm going to do, you know. And listen, not, by the way, not only Paul, many, many, loads of other managers, 
would go down. Like John Caulfield was like that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. He'd make a decision based on, well, if I make the wrong decision here, it could cost me my job. Mm. Yeah. You know? And I suppose from a ma- thought process from a manager, that's the way he has to think. Because at the end of it, if he goes with, oh, do you know what, the players might be right there, they'll go with that. And he loses his but job. Then you're so the players are going to continue yeah. on playing You're as undermining well, you know? your credibility as well, aren't you? you know, Absolutely. And, yeah. it's, 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 it's tough and it's mentally tough. And there's a lot of things going around in your head, like, you know? And sometimes... You have to go against your your morals, for want of a better word, as a manager, to you know with 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 yeah. certain players. But ultimately, you know, I know from playing under Paul, and you've had an experience yeah. with, with the likes of Paul. Is that? And by the way, Paul has Paul has managed so many yeah. difficult characters. I know, I know the likes of Jay Gavin was in his side, Keith Fahey, and uh, you know Damon Zayed, different type of characters and players where it takes a different type of managing. You know, um, so. That's think, what that's yeah, what managers have to do. I think at the time he had a he had a system, and I don't think he was playing, you know, number tens. And I I, I think he kind of told us that from from the way we went in, it was either you're going to be a a box to box midfielder, or you're not going to be in my team. And mm. we wasn't going to be that, you know what I mean? And and probably at the time Jack Grealish wasn't going to be that, so he left us out, and that that was it. How good is Grealish? Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Best to play with. Um. Yeah, he'd be up there, yeah. Yeah. Charlie Mulgrew, good player as well. Like, that, yeah. It'd be Come between him and <laughs> him and Charlie Mulgrew. I, I like Charlie, you know. So uh it was a it, yeah, probably between them two. We don't have time to go through your entire career, but what was the spell in Holland like? Because I don't good. think enough Irish players go to somewhere that isn't yeah. great. Yeah, probably should have stayed out there for another year looking back, but you can't say that at the time, you know. Um you just go with your go with your instinct and and, and you know what uh what you think's best, but yeah, it was good, a good experience. Uh, one I never thought would have probably, you know, come around when I was uh, when I was fifteen and I was moving across. Um, so when the opportunity came up, I jumped at it and you know, playing against top players and seeing Ajax there during the week, you know, doing well and stuff. And you know, it was, I remember thinking back to playing in the stadium and stuff against what Ajax. Was that and, like? Ah, it was brilliant, like, yeah. like uh, Belfield on Friday night. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> the difference. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so but yeah. they, they must have suited you the style of football as well. Did suit me, yeah. suited me down to the ground, and um, I was lucky. We played in a, an Astro Turf, but it was a really good Astro Turf, so I knew I was getting every Friday, and you know we weren't going to go away the teams and 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 dominate the ball away from home because the teams are really good over there, technically really good. So um, we knew our home games were important, so it was lucky that. You know, we weren't, you know, playing on a a, a bobbly pitch mm. or you know, we we knew what we were getting every every Friday, Saturday or Sunday whenever the game fell, and um, you know, uh, it was good. It was a great experience, and you know, obviously grateful for. What did you expect when you came back to Ireland? Um, did you expect to get an Ireland call up so early? No, like, I didn't yeah. expect. I didn't expect any of it. You know, we just we just came back and and. Uh, I didn't put myself on that. I tried not to put. I obviously wanted. Were you to up or down, or were you like? No, it was. I just wanted to to get back to, you know, showing showing myself and 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 showing people that you know I I could play and what I was good at and I was kind of chasing um for for a while fitting into a team that wasn't suiting me, you know, and and wasn't gonna help me and wasn't gonna improve me as a player. Might have improved me in, in, in different areas, but you know, I'm never gonna be six foot four tackling, running around and, you know, getting in people's faces. It's it's not my game. Um you know, I, I think the more I can show people what I'm good at, probably the better for me, 
you know, and uh, has it taken your time? Yeah, it has. Like it, it's t- it's took me. I didn't play well all preseason. You know, Why? I, I, I wasn't fit. I wasn't. I wasn't fit. I, I, you know, I had a. Obviously, everybody knows the Oldham thing. I didn't train for for two months during preseason because they were obviously trying to get me out. Um, the wages thing, and and then went up to Kilmarnock and straight away had an international break, four days off, and then you're going back in and. Um, I think I played ten minutes against Hibs in the, in the first game, and and I was gone. I was shot after ten minutes. I was thinking, "Oh my god, I'm miles a off this." You know, ball from the blue to your stomach as well. Like, yeah, you know, it was it, it was just one of those things where I just knew that, uh, you know, I I needed to make a decision on on how I could could get back. You know, playing playing well and, and and fit and 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 I didn't care for for the first time in a while. I didn't really care what people thought. I didn't care what people people were thinking, you know. Um, it's a terrible move. How was he going from Man City to Shamrock Rovers, or how was it? How was this happened? Or you know, when I, I made a decision for myself, screw that. And, uh, yeah, I just I just thought, you know what? Well, so I've spoke to the manager, I've spoke to Mike Fell, I've spoke spoke to my family, and I'm happy with this. And and uh, look, if it doesn't work out, then at least you know I'll be happy and and I'll be enjoying myself. Not won't be stuck in a you know, hotel in Kilmarnock and I'm not saying that was bad or whatever. It just wasn't wasn't ideal. You know, I was living in the hotel and that's not nobody wants to live like that. Yeah, really, right? you know, because we only but, signed a year deal and I was yeah. thinking, oh, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. And I was always thinking about the next move, the next move, and wasn't enjoying the now and and uh, you know, the months go. You know, you're thinking like life passed you by. Yeah, like the season's over over there now. You know, and um, they've done unbelievable. They finished toward like the season's over and I've come back I've made the decision I think I've played like 15 games now so for me I thought that was more important you know um, Europe to look forward to as well yeah, I was just about and, to say that I think yeah, it's a great move for you because yeah. you, you have that you're back playing you're obviously you're more comfortable yeah. and, you must have been and, surprised and, though everyone was surprised when it was like oh Jack yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Like, all right. even all the midfielders who are yeah. Yeah. Rovers are surprised yeah. Yeah. oh it's, it's great yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's great that no, but, uh, honestly, honestly I, I think it's obviously not because he's sitting here, but obviously there's other players within that. They they should be playing European football, like, you mm. know. And you could have gone through your whole career, I've not kicked the ball in Europe. Yeah, and I suppose know. to be honest with you, you know, you're probably too technical for that, like you know. So yeah. uh, whether it lasts for a year, two years, or whatever, he'll have played European football. And whether it's a box ticked or not, you know, I think yeah. I think I think it's a good move, and yeah, you have European football. Yeah, definitely. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Look, I know I'm not going to play play well every game and, and you enjoy the games you play well you know but um, you do a lot of moaning on the pitch yeah look he, he, he wants to win yeah, yeah you want to win you want to you want to do well I had my well, preconceptions wanna... about you then I was I was looking yeah. at you and I was like fairness when he's moaning he's a bit like Roy Keane he's, he's normally right actually yeah I like to think I'm Roy I don't think other people think I'm Roy having it though um, no it's just sometimes look he'll know he'll know himself sometimes you see things on the pitch and you want to see them early and you you know, you're, you're asking for a ball in a certain position and, and people are thinking, no, I'm not giving you the ball yeah. here. You might ask them for the ball yeah. there and you, you've seen something more. You know you know what I mean? And I think that's part of my game. I play off the cuff. I play, you know, uh, sometimes play where people don't want the ball and, and stuff like that where, you know, I probably shouldn't take it sometimes. I probably will give a goal away. But that's all will. the more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. But but that's just me and that's just... I'll never, never shy away from taking the ball and... and uh, 
you know, if, if, if I have to moan at someone for the ball, then I'll have to do it. And uh, Bray Wanderers, uh, I just looked at the table, I, I, I think you're fifth, which is, just shows how mad the first division is. I was like, geez, Bray are having a good season. They're actually not in the top four at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And that's after we can go all the other night. Um, yeah. But um, things are going well. Yeah, look, uh, it's great when you're winning, isn't it? Mm. And uh, obviously, we went through a difficult part. We came out of the traps flying. We actually had a very good pre-season. Um, obviously, playing a lot of Premier sides and so on, but a different type of games there, like, you know. And uh, we, but we came out of the traps well. We won our first three league games and won the league cup, and then we had two bad defeats. And the one thing when I, it was said to me by one or two managers is like, it's it's a good start you've had because it allows you to have a little bit of a wobble, you know. Yeah. But unfortunately, we had a wobble straight away. Then, like you know, <laughs> we've only picked up seven points and. In, in 21 or 24 and and that form for the team for, for our team was was uh, wasn't good enough really and we, uh, you know obviously we spoke about that we were just missing a lot of chances to be perfectly honest with you and I know that we're not the only team that can have that argument you know uh, but it we takes picked, time uh, it takes time and you know all my players are new to each other you know I'd only for those that are playing Sean Heaney Darren Gibbons Huey wasn't even playing last year because he had his ACL and he was still in recovery mode Um and young Jake Kellis was only 17 years old. They're the only players uh, that I uh, would have had from last year. So it was a brand new squad and different type of characters. And Speaking Jack of, is, is Dylan McLeage or Jack Byrne, is he? <laughs> 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 yeah, well, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, Dylan, we all know uh, Dylan can do, like, you know. And he's, I, he's I didn't recognise him until the night because the last time I saw him, he had long hair. hair yeah. And then I was like, geez, your man on the wing's very good. Like, yeah. and I didn't actually know who it was until um, later on in the game. I was like, oh, he's just, yeah. he just shaved his head, like. Look, Playing uh, the same way though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dylan is a different type of character, and that's what we were talking about earlier on. Managers having different type of characters, and um, he's our player. Where he's not the only one. You have the young uh, Derek Daly there as well, and Dino Halloran. You know, they're attack-minded players, and and and, and Joe Doyle's up front. But Dylan has that little bit of extra technical ability, and he's a great dribbler. You know, you can see him the other night in the last few minutes. He, yeah, he should have scored. You know, um, and but that's at this moment in time, he's he scored about six goals for us at the moment. But for his caliber. Or for the chances he's creating and the positions he's getting into, he's you know he knows himself. He should be scoring more goals, and that was one of our problems, obviously, up until up until recently. You know, so hopefully we can uh, we can continue on the form that we have, back to back wins, and hopefully on Friday we can uh, churn out another win. But yeah, look, I mean, Dylan, you look at it. You have Dylan, you've 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 Paul Keegan, you've Gabriel Sava, obviously goalkeeper, you know, um, and Huey Douglas straight away. They give you four different things, four mm. different attributes, you know. Um, How have you found that in terms of managing different personalities and technical ability and all that? Yeah, look, it, it, it's difficult. The one thing I learned from last year is that when I went in last year, obviously we knew where Bray were going, you know, it was 99% sure that they were going to be in the fourth division. Things weren't great. The new owner came over and changed things and so on and uh, and asked me to come in to manage it. And I was on my own for the rest of the season for... When I say on my own, you know, Jared Dome was in with me, helped me out, but he was obviously committed to the Ireland senior team. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, had Will Clark in with me. He had his commitments to his academy uh, work as well. So a lot of times I was on my own and managing on my own. And that's the one thing I found. I really needed full-time people in with me. When I say full-time, they were with me all the time. And I have great staff with me now with um, with James Keddy and Dennis and Ian Fowler. So I had to share the load, to be honest, to manage these characters because you can't see everything. Like Stephen can't yeah. see everything, yeah. you know. Um, he'll see certain things, uh, and with the experience I have with the likes of James and Dennis, and uh, obviously Ian is our goalkeeping coach, but I'm able to let them go on with their work because they're so good at it, and I'm able to stand back and observe and take things in that I need to take in. I wasn't able to do that last year, you know. Yeah, but like Jack, you you have to have an allowance for a lad. He's a young manager. He's learning the ropes as well. Like I mean, and Gary is a young manager, 
So if you're if you're playing for him, you you probably you have to have some allowance, I suppose, for him as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and um, look at the end of the day, a manager's a manager, and you have to do what they tell you to do, whether that's you know stand on the corner flag on top of your head, like kind of thing. You have, have you, you ever have been to asked that of you? <laughs> 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 uh, I'll probably play better if I was asked that. <laughs> so uh, no, but you have to do what the manager tells you to do. At the end of the day, it do, do you know how close Stephen Bradley was last season? Like the pressure he was under to to, to be in the position he's in now, where you're challenged for the title. Yeah, we do because you know um, we obviously close to Graham Barrett, and you know Graham yeah. is obviously you know friends with Stephen, mm. and and uh, that was one of the things I I, I thought when I was coming in. I said can't come in here and, and, and mess around. This isn't going to be a joke, you know. This is, you know, it's obviously people's jobs are on the line and he was taking a chance on me and, and uh, you know, to come in and, and to be disrespectful. He was taking a, a chance on you? He was taking a chance on me, yeah. Really? Because there wasn't many out there that would have took a chance, you know. Gary, I, I, would you I, take a chance? No chance. He was taking a chance, you, you genuinely think that? Yeah, he was taking a chance yeah. on me, yeah, he was. He, he uh, you know, there was no guarantees that it was going to work out. Um, for the first probably couple of months, it didn't work out. I wasn't playing well. I'm probably my own biggest critic. Mm. I'll say when I'm not at it. And, and uh, you know, even now, people are saying, oh, you're playing great. You get the Ireland call up, whatever. I have more to give, though. Yeah, I have more to give, yeah. you know. I'm still finding my fitness and and, uh, and and I have to do more, you know. If if, if we want to be if we want to be challenging at the end of the season, are I, you going to win the I league? I have to... No, I'd love to, you know what I mean, but I can't say. Come on, come on, Jack. No, I'd love to, you know. Uh, What's going to happen? It's only eighteen games left. <laughs> yeah, it's only. I think I don't know. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Fo- football's unpredictable. Yeah, you know? don't, don't, don't give me that. The one, the one thing, I, the one thing I'd say about this year, it's and this is no disrespect to Cork City, it's they're the ones that have sort of fallen away this year. It's great for the league that there's been a change in the and the, the horses at the top. To be honest with you, you know, um, because for the last four four seasons, I think we knew at this stage Cork and. Cork and um, Dundalk were the ones going to uh, fight it out and Rovers are too far off the pace if Bowes um, if Bowes hadn't lost in Oriel the other night they were still bang there as well well yeah, it was a carbon were, copy yeah. of the game up there a while yeah. ago they came two late penalties and, and I mean listen there's no point in us talking about it we know it's a fantastic job that they're doing there but it's great that Bowes are up there as well and mm. it's, it's, it's different it's interesting for the league um, Jack has to be modest. I, I wouldn't have any player, uh, you know, sitting there going, "Yeah, we're definitely going to win the league." Yeah. Um, but let's be honest, they're they're in the race, and that's where you want to be at this stage of the season. You just want to have a chance, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, and that's where we want to be. I mean, look at our league is four points, mad, like. separating the top five. Yeah. Uh, where a yeah. win, you could see it now second, and there's five so. points between first and sixth after thirteen games. There you go. Yeah. Look, and just like you were saying, we just want to be in the race at this stage of the season and we have a couple of important games coming up and after the break, if you're there, thereabouts, you're in the show, that's what you want to yeah, do. But they're, they're a good side. They are a good side. Yeah. Good side. What does the future hold for you? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we can just do well and, and, uh, and keep picking up wins and, you know, hopefully we can get, we can, we, if we aim for the, you know, the same amount of points in the, in, in, in the, you know, second half of the season, I think I think we'd be we'd be up there. So I just think uh, if we keep going the way we're going, I think happy less. And you're number ten, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> top lads. Thanks, William. Nice one, bud. Cheers. Shortly enough, now we'll be joined by uh, Julian Canny uh, to talk about um, a bit of betting controversy in the first division. But uh, Dan McDonald is now here on Skype. Dan, how are you keeping? I'm good, Johnny. How are you? Not too bad. What's going on? Where are you? I'm in Quinta de Lego in Portugal campus the campus facility 
uh, so just out watching the Irish players train on this wonderful, pristine, like uh, playing surface. You just want to go out there and, and kick a ball yourself. But obviously, if you try to do that, you'd be stopped by some kind of security presence. Although, mm. in fairness, it actually is. Uh, it's actually very relaxed. The whole vibe is relaxed, and uh, you know, like McCarthy and the staff and everyone is actually quite relaxed and chatty enough. So we had stuff with some of the players there. So uh, yeah, everyone's in, in reasonable form. Maybe it's just that that whole thing about good weather putting people in good form like maybe maybe that's what it is I'm know? sure Mick is dying to be asked a question about the FAI uh, like it's come up yesterday it's come up a few times mm. he's, he's, he's had that he's, he's able like he's well able to deal with that he's, he's dealt with a few crises in his time you know so like uh, he's not involved in this one himself really you know he, he works for the FAI you know he said he spoke to Noel Mooney you know, he's spoken to Rhea Walsh, he's spoken to Donald Conway. He, he, he dealt with it, really. He was over last month in the eye of the whole thing, really, and just diffused it. Like, there's not much he can say, really, like, you know, yeah. um, to be fair. Um, you know, he, he uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a subject matter that really he can't, he can't benefit by getting involved in it, really. So he, he sort of sticks clear of it. But I think he's also right as well when he says, I mean, at the Ireland players, are certainly, you know, they're not they're not sitting over in England really following this with any with any closeness to any degree at all. I mean, yeah. you know, you see lads that are older and coming towards the end, or the guys that retire, you know, they're able to offer an opinion. But you know, the younger lads are in their own zone really, so they're not they're not following. It. We've we've had that with Gary O'Neill before in the pod and stuff. Where you know, it, it's very interesting. But younger footballers have things going on in their lives that interest them more. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Just we, we haven't actually spoken about what's gone on um, in the league since uh, we were last on. There were two rounds of games as well. Um, but you were down in uh, Cork for the Dundalk win. And obviously then they went on to beat Bowes 2-1 on Monday night. Cork nil Dundalk 2. Pats 1, Bowes 1. UCD nil Sharon Crovers 1. Finn Harps 3, Watford 2. Sligo nil Derry nil Dundalk 2, Bowes 1. UCD nil Cork 1. Harps nil Sharon Crovers 3. Uh, St. Pats 1, Derry City nil. I was actually at that game and uh, had arranged to get an interview with Jamie McDonough afterwards. But um, Derry were in the dressing room for quite some time after the game. But Dan, it's, it's just become a two-horse race very quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it has. I think probably uh, Monday night really confirmed it in, to some degree, just I think for Bowes, that's a, a bit of a blow to take, but they, they nearly just need to, not that they need to refocus, I mean, they've been very focused anyway, but I think in, in realistic terms, um, staying ahead of the two clubs behind them would be an achievement, and obviously they've made moves to tie down some of their players as well, so that's obviously very promising for them, so, uh, you know, a short-term setback, but I think longer term, they'll still be feeling okay with things, but yeah, I know it is, I mean, uh, Dundalk Cork last Friday was a slightly strange Dundalk Cork game really uh, in that it just lacked that certain intensity and bite that that fixture normally has I'm not saying it didn't exist at all um, but basically it was just too easy for Dundalk in, in sections particularly in the second half um, and I think when you don't have Morrissey there I think sometimes when Cork played Dundalk you know they have McCormick and Morrissey and, and Buckley and they can be combative and they restrict them and, and it makes it a real battle um, and, and while Cork had some nice spells with like James Tilly as the number 10 and you know they, they, they played some some nice passages of play in general play uh, Dundalk was strolling through periods of the game McElhenney was strolling around so that was pre- fairly routine for them in the end um, which, which shows probably how far Cork have dropped off it whereas Monday by all accounts um, you know Bowes made them work harder 
um, and, and they got there in the end. But yeah, I think it's it's a Dundalk Rovers story now and you're starting to look for their games in the in the diary as much as anything else. Were you surprised that um, they tied down Mandreo as they did Bowles actually, which was a, fa- a hell of a coup really considering the impression he's been making? I'm not really surprised. Um, I think, you know, for these lads, like it, it probably makes sense, you know, and it's probably good that you move now rather than wait till the end of the season. If you wait till the end of the season, you're vulnerable to, to everything going wrong. Um, you have to take assertive action when someone's happy and enjoying it. Um, it doesn't I mean tying someone down doesn't always mean that they stay, of course. It just means that if a proper offer comes in, that you're actually compensated for their loss. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that's pretty common sense. I mean, we need to aspire to not having every player in the league being up at the end of the season. Um, it's not always financially feasible, but uh, it's certainly something now that we need to look at. I mean. Um, you know the, the the crowds have been good. Uh, they've they've got by okay in the sense of I don't think they've had an abundance of like Monday night games and stuff like that. And they mightn't be as affected as some of the other fixture issues that that other clubs are facing uh, with Toulon and all this uh, upheaval that's coming soon. That at least the Bowes games have been spaced out ish, um, and that and that allows you to plan, I guess, to a certain degree. How um, do you think it, that Toulon it, it, thing will work out with that? I think there's seven well, lads in the squad from the League of Ireland. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, I'm 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 away, and I, I you know, by the time this goes out, there may be confirmation of fixture changes. But if all the games that can be called off legally, you know, properly through the rules are called off, then you do have this bit of bizarre scenario where where Cork City and Derry City are the victims just because they have home games with with, with Waterford and, and UCD, and it basically would mean that they will go six six weeks without a home match. Um, which is no, which is no way to run or, or structure a, a club a, at all. Now, um, I don't know. Like you never know. The, the decisions might be made to try and press ahead with a couple of these games. But even the very fact that we're in this situation, there's, there's a couple of things that, that, that arise from it. I think we're going to have players in international squads going forward. Uh, I think fairly routinely. So the mid-season break just has to go. It's a, it's a complete. It's a it's a complete nonsense now. If the mid-season break didn't exist. Then actually, you could you could push some of these games back into the following week, uh, and and there would be no problem really. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think uh, we just have to, you know, it, it's not it's not just an FEI thing at all. Although you'd like to think some problems could have been anticipated, uh, and sometimes it's very reactive rather than proactive. Um, but like you know, ultimately clubs need to commit to a longer season, and that and that means every club in the Premier Division being prepared to do that and pay and structure and lengthen contracts accordingly, rather than trying to do things on the cheap as possible. But you see it now. I mean, you were at Pats last night. I read the crowd wasn't great. Um, you play, you play very flat as well, Dan. They're, they're yeah, well, of so course. Flat, those those mini games, of, yeah. yeah, and and we try and attract people on the basis of a match day experience and make games an occasion, but they're yeah. not. The games are just becoming a nuisance. And mm. uh, you know, I, I think that that just if that is how it starts. If if you go to a match and it's oh, you know, you're, <laughs> that 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 mindset just like runs through the whole thing. So I find it very frustrating when the opening weeks of the season show what can happen. Now, of course, as teams drop off on their mid-table, then crowds will drop. I know that, but uh, there's no time to promote or build games or, or build promotions around maybe non-glamour matches if they're just crammed in there. And this just means more cramming. That's yeah. the that's the one thing that's certain now. Um, where do you see the title race going as we stand? <sighs> ah, like it's. You know, uh, forty I, points I, uh, each after eighteen games. Forty points each. Like, 
I, I, I think like we've probably discussed this every week, and so my my view would be I, I thought Rovers possibly needed to build up an advantage going into the break to to be clear, and I think they had a real opportunity to drive on and 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 you know really put the pressure on Dundalk. I think Dundalk have now caught up way earlier than possibly I thought they might have, and now that they're there. They have the experience there. You see the late goals they're getting. They're getting a hell of a lot of penalties, which is a, a bit of a talking point and a, and a quirk in itself. They all seem just, I think Buzzer always saying, though, like this is a product of just talking a lot of pressure and teams getting tired and fouling them. Yeah, I think th- I think there is something in that. I mean, the one on Monday certainly did it look fairly clear cut. It was a, it was a tired maybe challenge, and uh, that that will happen. Like they, they will turn the screw and and. Yeah, the na- the nature of it is that there'll be more tackles on them around the area if they spend more time there. Um, but but uh, you know the, the fact that they just they just keep going and keep playing and getting those late goals, there's something impressive about it. Now Rovers, to be fair, were getting late goals earlier in the season too, up in Finn Harps and on other occasions. Um, but I, I just you know we'll see. I mean, like the transfer window could change things. Europe can change things. There's a lot of variables that can throw things, you know, that can throw things open. Um, but I just think the fact that Dundalk have closed things up that quickly and they've got the bit of course and distance form of sort of winning leagues before um, you, you, you'd expect them to push on from here and not drop back Just before before we wrap up um, I know you were disappointed not to be here uh, with Jack Byrne because you have a good relationship with Jack but um, is there any disappointment that he's not involved with Ireland? Um, well <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I suppose there would be. I mean, in terms of this week, it's it's still more important that he's playing for his club, I think, than, than being out in a training camp. Although, I can imagine for the player themselves, it's you know this is still Ireland. It's still where you want to be, and he, he was around the last time, so I guess you get a taste of it. You know, you want you want more of it, and that's only natural. Um, you know, did Josh Cullen from from Charlton? He's actually not here because of playoff commitments. He's he's made the final squad. God, I, yeah, there's a slight bit of disappointment, but I, I I don't know. Like, I mean, I I would have thought to be honest, that, and and I'm not sure if, if Jack would agree, but like, his call in March was surprising. It was mm. I think it was something that might agree. have been on the yeah I think it was something that was probably on the on the radar when he came home that you can put yourself in the map internationally but but for it to happen so soon so yeah of course if you have a taste of it and you drop back it must be a bit annoying um, but I would have thought that you know a full season nearly would be needed just to, to get his career back going again and a bit of you know stability and and, and structure and, and so on and look, I don't know there's, there's, there's going to be transfer speculation around Jack this summer I'd imagine you know um, I'd be of the view that he should he, where he's found somewhere where he's going well from um, you know Give it a year anyway, and see what happens. But you know, you know, you never know what might happen. Um, but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a degree of disappointment. But you know, there's a couple of injuries. You never know. He could he could get a late call either way. Um, and and look, he's in the thoughts, and uh, he he'll get plenty of chances in the summer if Rovers are in Europe and so on. You know, when there's no games in England for his for his stock to rise again. If if it if it, it's not really a, a massive blow, McCarthy is working off smaller squads. That's the one thing that you should point out as well. If it was a Martin O'Neill thing, well, Martin O'Neill might not fancy Jack, but you know there might have been sort of 28, 30 players. Uh, around squads and if, I think if McCarthy was doing that Byrne would be in it it's just that he's he's running tighter ship McCarthy mm. in terms of bodies so uh, I don't know maybe the FBI just can't afford the hotel bills either you yeah know? well they can't afford a lot of things at the moment um, listen thanks for being sure and we will be back together enjoy, 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 enjoy New York John you're heading off to the airport now uh, yeah going to head home first and then off to the airport and um, you know me probably listen to the podcast on the plane 
Yeah, and uh, critically review your performance, I hope. Absolutely, you and know? yours. Yeah, all right, okay. Thanks, yeah, listen, Dan. Good luck. It was a bit of a different show last week with Kieran Foley on. Um, I, we got great reaction to that. Um, lots of people wanting to contact uh, Kieran from within the league and within the league and the business community. And um, I don't know, I think myself and Dan and I were very encouraged by that, that there is a lot of goodwill out there towards uh, the League of Ireland. And it does need a bit of goodwill at the moment because some of the stuff that's going on in terms of betting is uh, deeply worrying. Um I don't think this can be overstated. Julian Canney joins me. Um, Julian, who spent um, much of his life, what are we talking, 12, 13 years in the gambling industry? Yeah, pretty much that, yeah. And that was before you joined Paddy Power. <laughs> but uh, So you were, Julian and I both went for um, a job in Paddy Power on a reality TV show. I finished third and Julian got the job and until recently was in Paddy Power. But um, Julian, you, you, you know the, I suppose, the betting industry inside out. Why have we reason to be worried about what's going on at the moment in the League of Ireland's uh, first division? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I suppose I should say, first of all now, like when we're talking about, I don't know, potentially suspicious betting and all that, a lot of this isn't, or generally none of this is happening in Paddy Power. You're kind of, your high street bookmakers would be well known. It's It, it kind of goes over to the Asian betting markets, which is essentially where I'd say, 95% of all football turnovers created. These these betting markets, they take huge stakes relative to um, what what you'd expect. You'd be really surprised that the the stakes on a kind of average first division game could easily like be hitting seven figures in terms of turnover. Um, and yeah, and obviously, um, League of Ireland. One of the one of the issues of the League of Ireland is that. In particularly the first division, there are a lot, there are a lot of clubs where their financial difficulties, players aren't being paid, even when they are being paid, a lot of them are just on expenses. So, when there's a situation where potentially a lot of money can be staked on games, then what you have is, I suppose, people are looking to try and exploit this and get huge stakes on in the Asian markets, win a huge amount of money, and um, obviously they're kind of looking to certain leagues or where there are opportunities of approaching players or even bring players in which we've seen in the last couple of years um bring players into the league and position them in, in clubs and then just arrange mm. matches in that way so it's um yeah it, it is very concerning obviously the biggest concern is that like as a paying punter going to the league or anyone interested in the league you want it to be you want to keep up the integrity that you're paying in to see a game and you you want the game to be honest that like you have to believe that everything happening there is is above board and well we, we've had 13 rounds of games in the first division how many games would you if you were to put an approximate figure on would you be a little bit dubious on in terms of the betting patterns for them <laughs> yeah it's I'd, I'd say you're probably looking at Maybe five or six, anyway. But it, it could that's be, every it, other round of games. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so one one game every other round of games, you, you could say. But like potentially, it's even more than that. It's um, we spoke but, to Jack and Gary here, like before. They obviously aren't part of this discussion, but they're very conscious of of an issue. Very, very conscious. I was surprised at how on on top of and concerned they seem to be about it. Like it was get, very good to hear like their reaction to it in terms of like they were obviously completely against it, but they were they were saying like players kind of need to take a stance against it as well. A lot of it is down to the players that if someone approaches them, they can 
I don't know, they, they should be kind of standing up to it. And this, it, this previously happened, I think it was about 10 years ago, there was one player who was banned for, I think, for life from the game mm. in Ireland. And because he approached a player on his team, and the player kind of stood up and reported him. Mm. So, yeah, like, I suppose on, on the other side of it, and it's, it's not really an excuse, but, like, if you're not being paid by your club, it's kind of like you don't necessarily you're have to my waiver. Club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and then it's, okay, like... Well, what are you going to do? And like, it, like it happens in a lot of other sports. Like tennis is a huge problem. Again, like in a tennis tournament, you could win. Like if you're world number two hundred or something, you're entering a tennis tournament where potentially you win ten thousand euro if you actually win the tournament. And if some guy comes up to you in the first round and says, "We'll pay you five thousand euro to lose your first round match mm. in front of literally nobody watching the game," so it's. Um, yeah, and I suppose, as I say, like, League of Ireland First Division, it's kind of, like, it is all the hallmarks of where... If it's you, ripe for... If you were planning it. Like, I suppose the the biggest, most high-profile case previously would have been in Finland, where people got done for that. There were Singapore betting syndicates there, and, yeah, they... Again, it was Finland exactly the same as Ireland. Another benefit is it's a summer league that it keeps going on during the summer. So, because of that, like... Well, obviously, they, they can focus on other things during the winter season, as it is in the summer, like the League of Ireland keeps going, so they can keep keep going, uh, keep rolling over their money, essentially. So, it's, But uh, if, you, if you're coming from the bookmaking um, industry, what as a bookmaker now, what do you think of when someone says to you, League of Ireland First Division? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think the pr- in terms of... Um, how should I say? Yeah, like in, in terms of the profile of the league for people betting on it, like honestly betting on it, it's it's gone up a lot because again, like the summer season, it's kind of Premier League is over, which would be the highest staking league in the world. So it's something that Irish people in particular they they know right. Okay, League of Ireland's played on Friday nights, and it's it's kind of got a niche in the market that in that sense. And obviously, the profile of the league in general is kind of growing all the time. So, um. I, su- I suppose generally just alarm bells would ring when you'd see high stakes in a certain game and you think, okay, what's what's going on here? Like, is, And that's it. And w- when you see, like, when you're following the Asian markets and you see, like, a big move for one team, it's kind of like certain moves can be explained, team news and different motiv- levels of motivation and things like that. But then, like, some, some things just move so much that it's, it really rings alarm bells in terms of, right, there's, there's likely something going on here. It's not good for the league when you've the Cove Ramblers manager actually contacting the FAI with his concerns on Sunday morning. And then that's like, I did a story in the Times Ireland edition, it was a back page story. I know it was covered, Dan covered in the Indo, and it was covered in the local press in Cork as well. Cove are trying to get players, sorry, Cove are trying to get lads to go to their game. They're third last in the first division. Um, Stephen Henderson working his ass off down there. And then you've this, uh, you know, to deal with on this on a Monday morning. Yeah, yeah, and like to be fair to Stephen, like I think that's that's kind of exactly the point I was making. That it was great, like for the integrity that he's kind of said, "Geez, I think something's up here." And well, I, just, I spoke to him on yeah. Sunday, and I can't speak highly enough for everything he said to me in terms of just being um, conscious of possibly there being an issue, or certainly being a, a, aware that there was a regular betting on the game, and certainly not burying his head in the sand. Yeah, yeah, and l- like more more of that needs to be done, and. Like, uh, the the way the Athlone thing was dealt with, it was kind of a bit, it, it was a bit uneasy. Or like, in, in terms of the way, like, I know the PFAI are there to defend the players, but I think the PFAI, the way they approached that was that 
they did everything to defend the players, which I suppose is within their rights, of course. But at the same time, it was like so some of the kind of wording around it, around like defending the players, you'd expect to see this and like it, it, it's not unusual to see this these kind of errors in the first division. It's like it was quite unfair on players yeah, in like, the first division. Yeah, like and this. But but it's not even that. It's kind of like there was so much, I suppose, circumstantial evidence there that it, it's kind of overwhelming in terms of like the the guilt. I I should have said like they were they were found guilty by the FAI, which I think I think it is being still appealed or yeah. whatever. But but like the players got a one year ban, and again, like if you're talking thousands or whatever, or potentially like thousands a game, and if it's five games, like that's obviously you're you're looking a fair bit of money to each of the players and um if you're just getting a one year ban and i don't know it's maybe maybe it's not that much of a threat over them really yeah um what do you envisage happening between now and the end of the first division is this going to are we going to get any more um dodgy uh, betting moves or is is at least the spotlight on um the issue going to help it should yeah like i i'm sure i'm sure that yeah, that that has been a bit of a spotlight, and like fair play for highlighting it, and um, I th- I think that will help, um, because there were rumours obviously earlier in the season that I think you kind of mentioned it before in an article, and it's kind of come up again. So, like like what I'd say is like the players who, not necessarily involved, but if they feel they're in a match where something suspicious has happened, that like they should report that. Like, if if they're not involved, obviously that's... Speak that's, to the that's player fine, that yeah. um, they may have an issue with or they may suspect something. Speak to that player and say, like, is that, like, your actual performance here? Is that what you're capable of? And speak to the manager and say, listen, I'm, I feel a bit uneasy about this. Yeah. And yeah. genuinely, sadly enough, there is no smoke without fire in these instances. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's absolutely. Like, I mean, that, that's the thing. And, um, yeah, it's... As I say, like a lot of the evidence is circumstantial. Like you're you're not going to find like a suitcase full of money anywhere. That's like the that. problem it's with this is yeah. it's very very hard to trace what's going on. Yeah. In yeah, terms of you, you can you can make a fairly definitive conclusion that something's up, but there's no trail. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely. And like like even like I bet into the Asian betting mar- markets as well. And when I bet into those, like you go to some of these websites, you you can't actually open an account with that bookmaker. You have to bet through a third party. So the bookmaker, when they're accepting the bet, they don't know. Who mm. they don't know my name or who's who's placing the bet, so it's someone is essentially placing the bet on my behalf. Yeah, and then like that's it, like all all bets uh, are off. <laughs> essentially, like um, Galway United, you didn't make the game due to a collegial. It's hard to believe at this stage of your life you were actually doing a, it, yeah. an exam the other night. But um, yeah, we're we're uh, just before we wrap up, we're we're twelve points from twelve games, four wins, eight defeats. Still have a positive goal difference. <laughs> Positive goal difference. Yeah, if, if we hadn't lost three nil to shells that night, yeah. it'd be looking very well. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's kind of a. I think coming into the season, I expected us to probably be around the position we are, like maybe an outside shot of the playoffs, because obviously we had so many players gone over the summer. The, the big problem was the start of the season. Like we went to the first game against Shells. I expected us to lose four nil. We went two nil up with two sensational goals and then like lost three two. But it was really positive. Like mm. there was what two and a half thousand at the game and then we went to Wexford the next week and won four nil. So with six goals after two games. Everyone thought Shells were gonna walk the league and um 
myself included and yeah like we'd really given them a good game probably should have at least got a point like I think the the lack of experience in the team kind of cost us we started wobbling but then after that we went in a bad run recently we've kind of picked up performances a bit but like that's disappointing we're what what are we 11 points off the playoffs so yeah it's, and draw it's, it's, Friday night yeah, yeah like again like that like draw our fourth place so like We'd, we'd need to win on Friday night of any chance but I, I think it's a long shot that we get the top four But and there's the results from the weekend um, some fairly mad results Bray won 5-0 in Atlone Town Atlone down to 10 men Limerick 3 Cove 2 in the game that attracted a lot of headlines sadly enough um, Cabin Teeley nil draw to 5 I think the Cabo goalkeeper got man the match as well pretty mad stuff Go United 2 Longford 1 um, Wexford won Shells 2 and then on uh, the other night Monday night Bray 2 Galway United 1 and uh, the fixtures upcoming this weekend as well I will have in a moment I'll actually start with the um, Premier Division fixtures coming up this weekend uh, Bowes play Sligo Derry play Finn Harps Dundalk play St. Pat's Walford play UCD and Shamrock Rose play Cork City Julian who will win the league? I, th- I think Dundalk will probably just do it I think the experience they have there like um, I'm not not sure how many league winners Rovers have. Obviously, Greg Very Bulger, few. but yeah, Ronan Finn. Ronan um, Finn, yeah, he'd have won the league. But I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think probably Alan that Mannis. experience. Yeah, yeah. A, l- a lot I suppose could hinge on how each club does in Europe as well. That if one of them goes far in Europe, um, mightn't help. Mightn't help. Um, obviously, uh, Dundalk as well. The way the Champions League and Europa League is structured that I think if Dundalk lose they're still going to be in the Europa League so they have a guaranteed four games now so and again their chance of progressing in the Europa League is going to be stronger than Rovers because they'll go into um, playoffs against teams who also dropped out of the Champions League so there's a chance Dundalk could get pretty far in the Europa League Rovers will be unseeded in Europe as well I think mm. which um, doesn't really help their cause like again like the draws are a lot will really depend on that, but so I suppose that could be that could be why Rovers will win the league, maybe. But I think I think Dundalk will probably just do it with the experience. But it's it's pretty fascinating because um, yeah, it's so tight. Uh, Limerick versus Cabin Teeley, Drogheda United versus Galway United, Brave versus Wexford, Shells versus Cove, and the Midlands Derby, Longford Town uh, against Athlone Town on Saturday night. Thanks very much for coming in, Julian. No bother at all. Did you enjoy Jack and Gary? Uh, yeah, it was uh, great. Yeah, great listening to the lads. Yeah. Yeah, and fair play to them for coming in, and thanks to Dan as well for taking the call on Skype. And we shall talk to you next week. But there are limits to your life.